This afternoon I proclaim to you the word of God as we confess that Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 12, page 527 in the Book of Praise. And there the church has confessed the word of God as follows. Why is he called Christ that is anointed? Because he has been ordained by God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption, our only high priest, who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and who continually intercedes for us before the Father, and our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends and preserves us in the redemption obtained for us. Why are you called a Christian? Because I'm a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing so that I may as prophet confess his name, as priest present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and as king fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this life, and hereafter reign with him eternally over all creatures. So far, our confession. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, boys and girls uh, who belong to him, Let me begin with a question this afternoon, an important question, a very important question. In fact, the most important question of your whole life. And that question is, does the Lord Jesus Christ live in you? Does he live in you? In the section we read from Galatians 2, the Apostle Paul writes about Christ living in him, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Does Christ live in you? And you know why that question is so important? Because if Christ does not live in you, you can't really call yourself a Christian. You actually have nothing to do with him. His birth, for instance, makes no difference to you. You actually might as well forget about celebrating his birth at Christmas. Make it a secular thing or something like that. And then his suffering and death and resurrection make no difference to you either. Maybe you you still like to be known as a Christian, but if Jesus Christ does not live in you, it doesn't mean anything, the name Christian. But what does it mean then that Christ lives in you? Is there some way to see that he lives in you? How does his living in you affect your life? Those are questions connected to what we confess in Lord's Day 12. Why is Jesus called Christ? And then that second question and answer, why are you called a Christian? Those two names, Christ and Christians, have everything to do with each other. Christ wants you to be a Christian, and you can't be a Christian without Christ in you. The connection between him and us is made by the Holy Spirit, which he gave us. The Spirit who lives in Christ, then, also lives in Christians. His Spirit. And that's how Christ wants to live in us, by his spirit. 
and word. And that brings me to the theme of the sermon this afternoon. Christ lives in Christians by his spirit. And we see three things. Therefore, they confess him. Therefore, they live for him. And therefore, they reign with him. First of all, Christ lives in Christians by his spirit. And therefore, they confess him. Does Christ live in you? That is what faith is about. It's a very intimate thing. You can't come any closer together than when Christ lives in you. Being in you implies that he shares everything with you. And you with him, but especially him, he with you. He lives in you then through faith. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the form for baptism. It says the Spirit promises that he will dwell in us and impart to us what we have in Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit conveys to us what Christ has done for us. Christ works in us what he has done for us. The Lord Jesus and what he did becomes ours personally through faith. And then he just isn't the Savior, but he's my Savior. And that's how the Apostle Paul could say in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. Quite a statement if you think about it. It doesn't mean then that he had been crucified just like the Lord Jesus Christ had been crucified, literally. No, he means that the death Jesus Christ suffered on the cross also counts as his death to the curse of sin. The Lord Jesus Christ died as payment for sin, and he did that for Paul. Through faith, Christ's death for sin on the cross became Paul's death for sin. And so Paul could now live as sinner who has been delivered from God's judgment against sin, the curse over sin. And so it was no longer Paul who lived, but Christ who lived in him. And it's through the work of the Holy Spirit that Paul could then say what he did. I've been crucified with Christ, died with him, and he lives in me. And I live through him. How did the Holy Spirit bring the Apostle Paul to say that he had died with Christ and that Christ now lived in him? Paul, you know, the Apostle had once been against Jesus Christ, had persecuted his followers, had persecuted him. But then his eyes were opened, the eyes of his heart, and he learned that Jesus, who he was persecuting, was the promised Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, appointed and anointed by God himself. John the Baptist had been told by God that the one whom, on whom he saw the Spirit descend, he is the one, the Messiah, the Christ, and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then you... If you embrace him in faith, you receive the Holy Spirit. He's the savior of your life, your highest prophet and teacher who reveals how God saves sinners. John says in chapter one of his gospel that the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has made the father known. No one is as close to God the father as God the son. And he came among people here on earth to make him known. 
as the apostle writes elsewhere, in Christ are hidden all the riches of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. So Jesus Christ is our highest prophet and teacher. There have been many prophets. Still are people who claim to be prophets. They all proclaim something. But the Son of God is above all other prophets. He has made known everything God wants us to know. Everything we need to know for salvation and life. After his coming and his revelation, there's nothing more we need to know about God's plan of salvation and his plan for this world. It's all been given to us by him. There may be others who set themselves up as prophets, claim to make new things known from God, like Muhammad of the Muslims or John Smith of the Mormons or Ellen White of the Seventh-day Adventists or so. But Jesus Christ, we confess, is our highest prophet and teacher who has, as we confess there in Lord's Day 12, fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. Beyond him, we need no other revelation. And he did that in the gospel, the Bible. Well, it's through that gospel of the salvation that God worked through him that he now lives in us by his spirit, by means of the gospel also signified and sealed in the sacraments by means of word and sacrament his spirit presses his gospel into our hearts and minds and so he lives in our thoughts and feelings then by means of word and sacrament the Holy Spirit brings us to apply that gospel to ourselves to appropriate Jesus Christ crucified for ourselves. His words then become our words. He lives in us. And that's how the Apostle Paul comes to write then, let the word of Christ in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ live in you richly in all wisdom. His words live in us with him. And see, it's with and through the gospel that Christ then lives in us, wants to live in us. And if our highest prophet and teacher lives in us through the word, the gospel, then it cannot be that we will speak out and confess that gospel too. If Christ lives in us, as the eating and drinking at the Lord's Supper celebration testify, then it can't be, but that will come out of our mouths too. Then our speaking will become, as Peter writes, like the oracles of God. We'll confess the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only Lord and Savior. We become prophets as he is the highest prophet. So does Christ live in you? That's only possible if his word lives in you. And you confess that word yourself. Then you know he lives in you. So open that word, congregation. Open that word. Take it in. If he lives in you like that, then you can't be silent about him either. You're going to speak that word yourself too. Confess it. 
and you're also a prophet. We come to the second point. Christ lives in Christians and therefore they also live for him. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls too. If Christ lives in you, then you can't be, but you're also going to be affected by the cross of Christ. Paul was crucified with Christ, he said. And that could be seen in his life. He no longer lived for himself, but he lived for God. If you see the description of Paul's life in the New Testament, it was filled with serving God, offering himself to God. The confession of Christ as our only high priest in Lord's Day 12 shows how that comes about. As high priest, Jesus Christ offered the one sacrifice that redeemed us from all our sins. He didn't offer up a bull or a goat or a lamb or so like all the other priests did, but those sacrifices were, were of course, only to convey a message, those animal sacrifices. They only conveyed a message, and that message was that sin had to be dealt with. Sin had to be punished. The death of calves and goats as such could never satisfy just punishment for man's sins. Only the death of the Son of God as man was sufficient for that, and he came and offered his holy life on the cross as a sacrifice for all our sins. In fact, his whole life was sacrifice. And you see that already at his birth, sacrificed his heavenly glory to be born here on earth of a woman in a stable, laid in a manger, a feeding trough for the animals. And then his whole life was one big sacrifice of atonement for sins, for our sins. And that sacrifice for sins, especially the culmination of that sacrifice on the cross, that becomes ours through faith. When Christ lives in us, then we are, as Paul writes, crucified with Christ. Christ's cross then determines how we think, feel, speak, and act. If our Savior sacrificed himself for us and lives in us, then it cannot be but that we're going to be willing and ready to offer our lives to him as living sacrifice of thankfulness, right? Living sacrifice. That comes from Romans 12, verse 1. The apostle says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, that could mean being willing to give your life for the Lord as he gave his life for you. Jesus spoke of that himself. You know, he, he warned that following him might mean that you even might have to be put to death for your faith. That, that might even come about. Christians have given and still give their lives for their faith in Christ. Here in Canada, it doesn't look like we're going to be called to do that at this time. Nevertheless, we're also called as priests with Christ to offer ourselves as living sacrifices of thankfulness to him. And if he lives in you, you want to do that. And we do that by serving him, submitting ourselves in everything to obedience to his will and his way. Submitting ourselves to them. The Lord Jesus Christ served his Father in heaven like that. He obeyed God's law and everything. His food was to do his Father's will, he said. That's also why those who wanted to put him to death couldn't find anything against him. 
And he prayed for that too. Father, not my will, but your will be done. That's how he offered his life up to pay for our disobedience and our unwillingness to accept to do God's will. If the Lord Jesus Christ now lives in you, then you know what happens as, as priest who offered himself. You know what happens? Then the cross of Christ will mark your thoughts and your desires. And then it cannot be otherwise, but you will also be willing to set your own will and feelings aside in favor of God's will. Then you'll be willing to subject your own desires and plans in life to God's will, His desires for you. And that's not easy, of course, because God's will and purpose can mean that you have to let go of your own desires and ideas. And it's not easy to take up our cross and to deny ourselves and to follow Christ. But Christ can only live in us if we learn to pray like Him then too. Father, not my will, but Yours be done. Let Christ's Spirit live in me and strengthen me so I can take up my cross now like he took his up for me on the way to Golgotha. And if our high priest Christ lives in us like that, then we as priests will be willing to offer our lives up as sacrifice of thankfulness to God too. And that'll make us humble in our service. Think of how the Lord Jesus Christ washed the feet of his disciples at the Last Supper just before he instituted the Lord's Supper. He, God's Son, was willing to be the last because we often want to be the first. And think of how that'll influence the choices you make in life then. If Christ lives in you, then you're willing to be last then you can't enjoy the sin the world revels in today. You can't accept a life in which God has no place. No, in the middle of this world, you'll pray again and again that petition in the prayer before the Lord's Supper. Father, grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with Christ's true body and blood, yet with, with Him, who is the only heavenly bread, that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in Him. We come to the third part. Christ lives in Christians and therefore they also reign with him. Kings. If Christ lives in you, he lives in you also as king. He came into this world in Bethlehem as king. King of the house of David. Promised king of the house of David. The angel Gabriel said to Mary about her child to be born. He said... The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And after his birth, wise men from the east came seeking the king of the Jews and brought him royal gifts when they found him. And when he died on the cross, there was that sign above his head this is the king of the Jews. He is our eternal king. He conquered sin and Satan and death by his death and resurrection. And if he lives in us through faith then, he also forms us into kings and queens. And that means then that we 
take up the fight against those three sworn enemies of ours, the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. We won't want sin to reign in our lives, but we will hate and fight it. Prayerfully fight the temptations that constantly come to our way. And fight them then with God's word as Jesus prayerfully resisted the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness and later in Gethsemane. And if the Lord Jesus Christ lives in you like that now, as king, that'll influence you. You as king will have a wonderful future too. For his reign as king is never going to end. Instead of coming to an inglorious end in the future, you'll reign with him over all creatures, as we confess. After this life, when Satan and his dominion are done away with, there'll be a new world in which you'll always be with Christ. He'll be all in all. He in us, we in him. And we reign with him over all things. Does Christ live in you? I hope you see something at least of how important that question is to ask yourself. He in us and we in him. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to work in us. Also through the Lord's Supper here this afternoon. If that's what you want, Christ living in you, prophet, priest, and king, and you prophet, priest, and king with him, you need to take part. Amen.